0: all right all right all right welcome to yet another episode of crump on cyber in this episode we're gonna really kind of uh, continue maybe a conversation that was in the the previous episode where we explored some key elements of an instant response maturity cycle and uh, but we're going to go a bit deeper into it. Uh, obviously, an organization is going to do what they can to put the appropriate controls in place and uh, those kinds of things. But, you know, even with the best of intentions, even with the best of plans, sometimes things go awry, right? And we run into challenges and uh, one of the more popular types of attacks that we're seeing over the last several years around this ransomware. So, yes, we'll we'll talk about ransomware, what it is, and some of the drivers behind that kind of a thing, and what the footprint and the attack service is looking like uh, on a global basis. But then we're gonna we'll we're gonna shift gears and get into this. Uh, you know, okay, well, if I'm attacked, if I'm a victim of ransomware then what do i do and sometimes that means you need to call in the the big dogs okay the the ransomware negotiators and and work through this kind of a process and so we're going to go a little bit deeper into that and we're going to have a special guest on uh Jurgen Weiss who's who uh, focuses on crisis management cyber crisis management and we're going to get his thoughts on Uh, ransomware, negotiations, maybe some things around just in general, cyber crisis readiness uh, and and those areas. So we're going to explore that topic a bit uh, deeper. So when it comes to ransomware, uh, uh, a recent report shows that uh, the number of ransomware attacks uh, remains absolutely steady in 2023. And when we look across uh, really the, the, the highlights of that report, we see that about... 1,900 ransomware attacks have occurred just within four countries, the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Germany. Now, the U.S. has bared the the really kind of the the brunt of that with around 43% uh, of these all global attacks targeted at the U.S., um, but hey, hey, you know, given the fact that, uh, the, the report talks about, there are 48 really kind of separate, uh, ransomware groups out there that have targeted the U S yeah. Okay. Well, everybody's kind of sharing the love or sharing the hate, depending on your know, perspective. Or sharing the revenue opportunity uh, by attacking the U.S. Now, in fact, there was a uh, when it comes to this uh, this average number of monthly attacks uh, in the U.S. seventy five percent increase between the this year, the first and second quarter of this year versus last year. So there is absolutely an uptick in the activity on that front. And France has actually seen. the number of their ransomware attacks double just in the last five months. Uh, the UK, on the other hand, a second-largest ransomware target, has endured nearly 200 attacks just this year alone. And the ransomware groups are are not uh, really kind of ru- uh, running these one and done kinds of operations. There are, you know, they they uh, this group is a are they're tracking, uh, the the report talks about tracking these 32 separate ransomware groups that are attacking the UK. Seven of those have recorded at least 10 attacks each. So they're here to stay, right? Uh, In Germany, 9% of the attacks are targeted at the government sector. So it doesn't really matter, right? Uh, where, Where there's opportunities to cause problems, maybe get some money out of this deal, then yeah, the ransomware groups are going to kind of, you know, pursue that path, that re- potential revenue path. The most pervasive group uh, really this year is uh, CL0P. Uh, CL0P is derived from the Russian word CLOP, uh, which means bed bug. And the group uh, really kind of arrived on scene in 2019 using their uh, namesake ransom uh, ransomware called uh, uh Kryptonics. cryptomix uh the, the ransomware uh, itself this cryptomix ransomware family uses the .clop extension for uh, uh after decrypting of files and so that's where that really kind of comes into play other uh, no- notable groups highlighted uh, in the report is lockbit bbase play akira uh, and the volume attacks um, from relatively new groups, such as B Base with 41 attacks and Akira with 20 28, uh, really, frankly, is uh, staggering. Even the new ones coming to the game are, you know, working hot and heavy to to go try to n- get some revenue from some of these uh, companies and the insurance companies behind them. Uh, the volume uh, really does shift over time, though. So there's been a massive decrease from a group called Royal, which normally dominates uh, the rankings with an average of about 30 attacks per month. But there's been less than a handful or so over the last couple of months. And what the uh, folks suspect is that it's because they're out there and they're uh, testing a new decryptor. Now, CLOP's rise to the top can easily be explained by their exploitation of the zero day in the move IT or the move it transfer, a widely used file transfer uh, product there. We saw a a bit of a compromise (laughs) uh, uh, around that to cause some serious problems on a global basis. Uh, LockBit uh, has pulled uh, in more than uh, 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 1,200 attacks since uh, 2020. Ah, uh, to the tune of about ninety-one million dollars uh, uh, that they've been able to pull out of U.S. organizations. Now, the U.S. Cybersecurity Infrastructure Agency (CISA) had requested or had reported that Lockbit uh, was really um, in their uh, minds the biggest ransomware threat in 2022. Uh, but you, we can see that they have you know things do kind of shift as time kind of goes by. There, uh, the hardest uh, hit were the state local tribal and tribunal the sltt governments uh, at about 16% of these attacks um uh from lockbit uh, earlier this year uh, a suspected lockbit affiliate though was arrested right here in arizona so uh, there's some progress being made on the uh, the enforcement the the law enforcement side of the house all right. So this ransomware, you know, what is it and what kind of types are out there? Well, simply put, uh, it's malicious software or malware uh, that can really kind of lock out a victim, uh, lock out a, a, a user from their computer or the data that they've got on there. And then the cyber criminal uses this as a leverage uh, to try and extract a ransomware payment. And most often we see that uh, on the Bitcoin side. And so that creates some challenges for the folks in the cryptocurrency side of the world when, you know, it's being utilized to that degree. But uh, that's a different kind of a battle uh, that the, the cryptocurrency folks need to fight. Uh, but, you know, once the, uh, the payment is received, the victim is given a key uh, to, degript, uh, to decrypt the systems and the files, uh, thereby restoring access. That's the plan, or that's what's at least being presented. It's not always the case. So, how do how do these threat actors load up ransomware? Well, if you know they're they're out there looking for uh, uh, systems that connected to the internet, uh, those uh, uh, if there's an opportunity to manipulate remote desktop protocol uh, protocol RDP, uh, definitely do that. Uh, Certainly the use of malicious URLs or websites, malicious uh, advertising or uh, malvertising, uh, drive-by downloads, infected emails and attachments. Yes, all of these are uh, excellent conduits for uh, getting infected uh, by ransomware. So uh, when it comes to ransomware itself, there are really kind of five different types, give or take. Obviously, you know, all of this stuff is uh, arguable to some degree, but uh, we've got our crypto ransomware and that's where the bad guys hack in and encrypt sensitive data. Uh, they're really not uh, monkeying around with some of the basic computer functions. Whereas when we've got a locker ransomware, yes, it actually locks the victim out of their computer. Uh, what they'll do though, is they'll leave the mouse and keyboard usable uh, but aside from that, uh, uh, everything is really kind of locked down. Then there's Scareware. <clears throat> okay? And this is where they're making a false claim about a, uh, a virus that had affected the, uh, the victim's computer and trying to scare them into paying. Now, some versions of Scareware can actually lock uh, users out of the computer. Um, Other versions will really kind of flood the the victim's computer with a constant barrage of pop-ups. Then there's ransomware as a service. This is a dark web business model where this function of ransomware is being outsourced. And let me tell you, uh, some of these (laughs) ransomware as a service uh, capabilities are high-maturity organizations, okay? They've got... Uh, so uh, you know, sales arms, they've got uh, they've got customer support, you know, really kind of world class customer support kind of a thing. And so you you get to their site and you can you know IM encrypted IM with the folks that are running this ransomware as a service. So uh, yeah, uh, frankly incredible. Uh, and then we have Docsware or Leakware, and that's where the uh, the bad guys uh, really kind of threaten the release of uh, sensitive information. And uh, now we really kind of see a combination of both. And so they'll go in, they'll go extract the sensitive information, and they'll hold that, and then they'll encrypt. And then, depending upon what the the organization decides to do, hey, you right. If you if if you decide that you're not going to pay my ransomware, pay for my and pay my ransom, then I'm gonna, you know the threat of releasing it out there in a name and shame, uh, site. Okay. Putting all that out there. Now there are a number of different kinds of strains of, of, uh, uh ransomware. They're out there, server, bad rabbit, uh, bad rabbit, rabbit, uh, we've got, uh, Petya, non-Petya, wanna cry. And, um, and so an entire, you know, set of strains that are out there. So when this is when this ransomware, you know, is it's certainly a looming threat, we're seeing a, a lot of activity in this place. So what can an organization do to protect itself um, uh, from these types of attacks? Well, certainly backups, right? Regular backups uh, is the really the number one kind of way to protect yourself when it happens. Now, obviously, you want to get ahead of the curve. And if you've got, you know, you want to have in, uh, some reliable antivirus installed that can kind of pick up some of this, uh, make sure that your operating systems and software are patched and up to, uh, up to date, uh, making sure that you manage change within your organization. So knowing you've got, you know, really need to know what's normal and expected on your assets and then monitor for any kind, of, any kind of changes, anything that's outside of normal that could be uh, potentially malicious activity. You certainly have to be able to do those kinds of things. But the changes is, you know, okay, well, I've got to do some patches or I'm going to do some update. Well, y- you want to kind of control that because we've seen uh, uh, a number of attacks over the last several years here where, they truly are supply chain attacks. Now they're attacking the IT supply chain as opposed to perhaps like a manufacturing supply chain. All of those, those are being compromised uh, as well. But uh, yeah, you, you need to keep track of these changes that are occurring within the organization themselves. That's from an organizational perspective and making sure those kinds are in place. Now from a user perspective, yes, we you know we certainly have a high a uh, degree of security awareness that needs to be, uh, you know, uh, training and awareness training that needs to be in place for the, for the employees at the company. So, you know, making sure that they know that, Hey, you know, be careful, about what you're downloading or you know, frankly, if it's an employee, whether they can even download and install software. Uh, so, you know, any, if we're going to allow them to do that, to make sure that it is from a reputable secure site uh, really You know, we know, don't click on any suspicious links or any uh, file attachments, right? We've heard this a thousand times and yet it continues to happen. Uh, Certainly be wary and careful with any kind of pop-ups that show up and be very, very leery and really kind of, frankly, untrusting towards any public Wi-Fi. And the way we can kind of protect ourselves against that is the employment of a VPN. But yes, despite all of these, you know, things that we can do, these backups, and yeah, that's you know, in the antivirus, we're going to try and you know protect ourselves from bad things happening. But they can, okay. So at that point, uh, you know, you know, do we pay or do we not pay? Well, you might bring want to bring in a negotiator to to help you out there. Now, instead of really kind of sending in the, you know, the the SWAT team to storm the building and, you know, uh, negotiations on these fronts, uh, take place in a slightly different format, right? So some of the recommendations we got out there, you know, certainly is, is ensuring that you, uh, establish a cyber crisis management structure. And if you're looking for guidance around that, uh, we'll talk with uh, Jurgen, and he'll have his thoughts on these things. But uh, as we talked about yesterday, we, we have an, a, you know, an incident maturity type of a life cycle. And as part of that process, it really kind of we explored is around building these cyber crisis management plans. And in there, there'll be a, a, a very kind of a defined structure and flow that needs to be in there. Keeping in mind that it's a it is a plan and plans change and it is a framework and so it needs to be tweaked and adjusted um, for every incident and situation and every organization. So get that structure in place and make sure you've got that. And then when when something is actually happening, you got this situation. Well, then you got to identify the scope or the extent of the incident itself and. Being careful to, uh, on the use of that term, even event versus incident, because once we start, an organization starts, you know, uh, identifying that, oh, we do have an incident, oftentimes that's going to trigger some kind of a notification process, depending upon, you know, what industry they're in. So there can be some uh, real kind of regulatory and legal implications uh, of that designation. Uh, determine the so if we're in there and, and so we're trying to figure out we talked about yesterday about the cyber crisis leadership uh, skill sets that are required and that sense making really is the one that most crisis leaders uh, struggle with right uh, but it it is a critical element here so determining uh, the profile of the threat actor, identifying the scope of the incident requires asking questions so that we can get a better sense of understanding of what's happening. What do we know now? And then it, it, and as the uh, incident types uh, evolves, then we get more information. Right. So we can only make you know so many decisions, but we need to make some decisions across that process. So understanding the incident, also understanding our adversary. Okay, and there are different factors that can influence knowing this uh, and, and, and help us out, frankly, whenever it comes to knowing our adversaries. So, you know, if we if we can kind of, you know, get some information, maybe understand the the motivations and and maybe even the culture of where the threat actors are coming from, we can utilize that as as part of a strategy uh, in these negotiations, but there is that activity around, okay, well, how do I, how do I kind of extract this information? And then once I have it, how do I leverage that? Well, how do I understand what the the potential cultural implications are? And so there's some, some very interesting sources out there um, that uh, in, in, in some of the training that we do that highlight some of these cultural elements that uh, certainly need to be understood. Uh, to better understand who this adversary is, and then assessing the cost of a no deal. So, hey, okay, what if we get we get to this point where you know what <laughs> we just we can't come to terms. We've we've negotiated. So what will be the impact if we can't or we refuse to make this payment to uh, regain access? So you might you know see. obviously some customer impacts, some operational impacts, brand and reputation impact, any kind of legal and regulatory potential impacts. Yes, you need to be able to kind of understand those kind of going into the situation. When it comes to the negotiations, general kind of recommendations, obviously be professional, right? Uh, And as you're going through there, and, and, and we saw some of this uh, really, um, in in the in the Uber case that we kind of explored a little bit in the previous episode, uh, but connecting as many pieces of the puzzles that you uh, that you can. Now, uh, so uh, you know, can you know, has the IT team determined whether they can actually recover from this? Do we have backups? Well. It takes time to kind of figure that out. What, what is the impact of this ransomware? Where has it hit us in the organization? What kind of backups do we have? Well, sometimes that means you need to stall them, stall the adversary, right? We're working on it. We're getting this stuff. We're lining up the money, you know, whatever, whatever that tactic is going to be. But uh, you may need to kind of employ some of those things. Uh, and, and understanding that, yeah, negotiation just holistically is a bit of a mind game, right? So, uh, and, and when we're talking about mind game, that means psychology, we talked about psychology of the humans. And then that ties back into what I was just talking about around trying to get a sense of where these folks are from and what the cultures are. That affect them. And so those kinds of things will help you understand the motivations and how much flexibility or where, you know, where you can push and prod. And uh, when it comes to the negotiation side of the house, uh, if you can, you know, because you, uh, you know, kind of befriend the criminal, right? You kind of draw them close. If you can do that, not only might you get some clues about their real life identity, but you might be able to negotiate a better outcome. So that befriending type of thing, this negotiation, we saw that actually play out to the benefit uh, of Uber because that team, although, you, you know, there might be some, uh, you know, opinions about how uh, the, you know, the CISO there uh, managed that situation, what the team was able to really do was determine, well, who are these folks? And then they were subsequently arrested. So, yeah, certainly you can leverage, uh, you know, whatever skills you've got from a personality perspective, to kind of draw them in and maybe pick up some bits and pieces in there. And then ultimately, really kind of this decision on whether to pay or not. And most certainly that's going to be left to the organizational's uh, you know, uh, leadership, the CEO, oftentimes legal and, and uh, general counsel going to be involved in that decision making process. Absolutely. Right. Because there could be some legal implications whether you pay or you don't pay. They're going to be, you know, there, there are some entities that, you know, hey, you know, you just, you cannot pay, you know, in, in the United States, we've got a designated list of in, individuals and, you know, you, you are, you're not allowed to pay them. So your hands are tied in some of these situations. So you got to consider that stuff. And then, hey, do you even have the money? Um, you know, one of the things we talk about is, you know, that the, these threat actors that get into your environment, they start digging around. Right. And they're not just digging around looking for, you know, just your, you know, the secret recipe on on how you build a drone. No, these are you know, financially motivated threat actors. So they're digging around and they're looking for things like, oh, that maybe the co- a copy of your cyber insurance policy if they can get their hands on those kinds of things, then they'll have a sense of how much money can they reasonably uh, extract? What are your limits? So you got to consider those things. And if you don't, or if the ask is above and beyond what your insurance, frankly, do you have the money to be able to do that? Um, And then, yeah, most certainly make sure that you have some experts uh, at the ready. So um, for any of these crisis incidences, uh, any organization, any plan that's being built uh, for clients around their cyber crisis management plan, external legal counsel. Right. So these are the folks that are going to be brought in to really kind of run the show during the during the investigation. Okay, and then you have external IR. And as part of that, you may get that that negotiator capability there, or you might go to a third party to kind of get that. And then what happens is that external IR and that negotiator is going to operate underneath that external legal entity. Okay. So um, speaking of experts, um, we're going to take just a short break. And when we come back, we're going to bring Jurgen Weiss on the phone or on the call the podcast here and see what he's got to 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 say about this. We'll be right back. C L C.
1: We'll be right back, baby. c's back come get you some
0: <laughs> mr weiss how are you sir Hi,
2: uh, jeffrey nice to see you
0: how are you, you yeah i'm doing well absolutely you're i know you're doing well because i i see some of the things that's happening in your world um with um, some of the awards and accolades that uh, you're getting maybe just uh, spend a few moments kind of you know uh giving the the listeners a a little bit of a background of who you are your organization and and what you've done and 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 most certainly highlight some of those uh awards that I think you've uh, been receiving <laughs> over there.
2: Okay. Uh yeah, thanks for the invite. So my name is Jürgen Weiss. Um I'm the CEO of Arsiv Intelligence in Austria. Um, so we are basically um, located in the German speaking area, but now extended our, so our services, uh, the whole Europe. Um, we are uh, focused on crisis management and incident response, um, but also doing our research stuff. So uh, we are working on some kind of secret uh, projects uh, within the research sector when it comes to quantum computing and cryptography, for example. Um We managed, uh, since the past years, I say four to five years, round about 200 incidents, um, paid only three times ransom, uh, decrypted some kind of ransoms that we are not allowed to mention uh, in public. Uh, We handled one of the biggest uh, uh, ransomware uh, acts uh, in, 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 let's say in the German speaking area with an IT service provider. uh attacked uh, 35 companies uh, at the same time and this was one of the projects that uh, we got uh, this this kind of award for the incident the re- incident responder of the year in uh, 2022
0: brilliant brilliant <laughs> well congratulations yeah that's uh it, it's great to see that um all right so really kind of first and foremost um you know, because we want to be proactive, right? If we can prevent this and make sure we're prepared for when bad things happen, how, how can, what kind of recommendations do you have for organizations to get kind of what we say left of boom, prepared in, in, in advance? What kinds of things can you recommend for organizations?
2: That that's fun, of it. I always when I hear prepared, I'm I'm thinking about my beginning in the CrossFit sector. So I always be prepared for the unknown. So that's what I what I learned. So prepared for the workout of the day that did not know. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I I took this and built it in my presentations and say, guys, uh, when you are so frightened about ransomware or cyber attacks, uh, you need to be prepared. You need to know who is involved. Who is able to make decisions? Who is allowed to transfer money? And you need an external partner to help you, giving you another view of this kind of incident. And uh, we have now, with our experience of more than two hundred incidents, a lot of possibilities and 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 ideas and uh, so of preparation things that we, we we can provide to our customers uh, to get that. Uh, yeah, uh, party started uh, when that kind of stuff happened. So, so what we recommend is great. creating ahead. internal teams, internal incident response teams from the IT, from the management, raise the awareness and build a kind of a cybersecurity culture. So, we are talking for more than 10 years now about digitalization and the culture of digitalization. But it's most important to also talk about the cybersecurity culture, that every single employee is involved and could be the first responder. No CEO is aware of that, that what happens in their operations during the day. Not really. It's the, the lady in the secretary. It's the bookkeeper, for example, when a client turns into a blue screen and mm-hmm. nothing works again. Or if they got a malicious email with an Excel file and a PowerShell link. So, hmm, what to do? Give the employees the possibility to talk to the IT, to give the alert to them. So I'm not sure about this email. Can I provide it to you? Uh, or I click the fish alert button in my outlook, for example. And the other thing is do your homework. So, One network for everything is not that what what, what really works, what makes it secure. So network segmentation. Do your homework, do your vulnerability management, do your vulnerability assessment, and maybe do another pen test once a year. It only tells you about the current situation. So doing pen tests on a monthly base, for example, or on a weekly base.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: uh and 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 do the gap analysis between the scans and between the pen tests um this is this is mo- most of the important thing and when it comes to policies create that kind of reaction and crisis plan that you already mentioned uh this is the most important thing and i i need to say that our customers when when it comes to an incident these are new customers. So it's not existing customers that we provide with our SOC services. These mm-hmm. are new customers. They have a kind of an IT service provider. Sometimes it's a one-man show. Sometimes it's ten people. But sometimes it's an IT service provider with two hundred employees. Yeah. Yeah. Get the work so done with them.
0: Yeah. So when so when it, it, that being the case, so if if they're not if they are for a lot of these clients if they're not coming to you ahead of time and so they're not benefit, benefiting from the the consultation the mm-hmm. yeah okay here's the tr- strategic and tactical approach mm-hmm. of the things that you need to kind of do then what are you finding then when they when they start knocking it, you know they 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 call you up and yeah. say hey uh we've got a problem are you finding that they uh That they are ready, that they do have plans, or they just have nothing, and they're just...
2: Absolutely, absolutely no. Mm -hmm. They don't even know whom to call. Mm. So they have a cyber insurance policy, for example. Maybe there is a hotline number, but maybe there are some kind of other institutions they should call. But they are also going to the next police station and tell Mm. them, oh, uh, there is a fraud ongoing, yeah? I have a ransom incident. And the, the officers in the police department are oh, uh, nice for the information, but we are not able to help. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And and they are not they are not allowed to recommend a, a service provider or an expert company. So how how we get that kind of information? We are not doing a lot of marketing, but we have the world above. So there is a CEO that already worked with us. And if something happens, it's afterwards it's in the newspaper. And some companies are um, doing keynotes about their learnings and the lessons mm-hmm. learned um, and say, hey, with whom did you work to uh, in that case? And I say, hey, call them. They helped us and they fixed everything right in. And uh, it's, it's the word of mouth mostly. Uh, and when we do the call, uh, we have the, the first, let's crisis situation call or situation analysis. What happened? When did it happen? Uh, who was involved? Uh, who does, does, did it recognize it and um, and what happened already? So did you do anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, so funny things that we had an IT service provider bringing the offsite backup, the good one, back into the company, and he just yeah installed the old uh, the good backup in the compromised environment. Mm-hmm. The good backup is gone.
1: <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right.
2: It's it's so they, they this is this is the, the missing, the lack of knowledge. Uh, and that's why we are uh, um, in, in in the preparation for us, we are talking to the customers and say you need to separate the IT operations with a service provider to a cybersecurity operations service service provider. So it's not helpful when your IT system company says just use Microsoft and Microsoft security products. Mm. Yeah, you will be fucked. Yeah? Mm. Uh,
1: yeah,
2: by the end of the day. Yeah, and in the incident case, when we have when we did the situation analysis, we have uh, two uh, mobile incident response teams. So we have malware analyzed, we have threat intelligence, we have reverse engineers, we have forensic guys, and we have uh, uh, at least now uh, three cyber crisis managers. They're able to handle that kind of situation, and uh, you need to be calm because the customer is panicking around.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, when you well, when you don't have a plan, that's where you end up, right? Is yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, very lost and, and very concerned. And, and I was, uh, I was actually thinking about this on the, the drive in uh, to the office today, um, you know, for, for organizations like that, right. That, that, you know, there can be maybe a, and what, what I would call an A plan, right. So you've got Okay so we know that we know that these cyber crisis management plans need to be you know obviously very unique and specific to a given client but i was thinking i wonder if i can create a a a a, a baseline plan that i could give to any new customer like like you were talking about they come to me and they say you know <laughs> we got nothing please help me right mm-hmm. Uh, Oftentimes having something, although it's not necessarily the end all be all, it's not necessarily has to be customized at that point, but to have a plan. And that's why I would call it the a plan that, okay, look, you have no structure, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you this baseline guidance here. Right. So here now your team has something Mm -hmm. and that that is going to give them some emotional uh, uh, relief. Right Mm now, kind of a a, kind of a process. So if you're going, if you when you have this opportunity to your point, you've got cyber crisis managers on uh, on the staff there. When you have the opportunity to go in and build these cyber crisis management plans, can you maybe just kind of highlight some of the key elements of what you would kind of typically expect to kind of see in there?
2: Um, First of all, we separated into the cyber crisis strategy. And also the incident response from a technical perspective. So what we would like to know is how does your infrastructure work on the one hand? What are your backup cycles? What do you use kind of software? Who is your service provider? Whatever. That's the forensic, the technical part. Um, I'm I'm f- mostly focused on who is responsible in the crisis? Who is leading the crisis team? Uh, who is how uh, available uh, any any twenty four seven? And what is our decision making framework? So what is the cost of deal? What is the cost of no deal? Do we have a balance sheet in place that we can calculate immediately? What is the ransom that we need to negotiate? Uh, do we know how, how much money we have in the bank account? Yeah. Do we have an external service provider that do the blackmail and the, the, the transaction into Bitcoins or Moneros or whatever? Yeah. To have everything in place doing, following the steps? Like you mentioned, yeah. that's the A plan. Yeah. This is a checklist. Uh, kill the command and control. Go offline. Yeah? Don't don't shut the servers down. Yeah. Um, and what you're not able to plan is this little bit of luck. This is always happening in some incidents. We had an incident on a manufacturing company uh, where we are in the data center and I'm talking about storage and backup, and that everything is not encrypted. It's null. It's deleted. And so by the way, there was a storage on the floor. Uh, I said, well, what are you using with the old storage? Yeah, we, we set it up in new storage one month ago. Said, oh, one month ago? So did you already delete the data in the old storage? Uh, no. I was say, a data loss of one month. Can you mm-hmm. live with that? Right. Yeah, and then and afterwards you start to to puzzle around. So if you have local instances, uh, mailboxes or whatever, where, where you can restore um, the data.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Some,
2: we had one. We had one. One case. Well, it was so funny. We're, it was in the, in the lockdown time in Austria. So, we were not allowed officially. Yeah. Uh, to work and to be together. And we had an incident. Um, uh, a family-owned uh, company. And uh, we are in the data center, uh, having our second beer. To be honest, it was late in the evening. And um, funny thing is that we said, well. Oh, did you try to delete the ending of that file
1: hmm.
2: and see <laughs> if this just, just renamed, but right. not encrypted? And I said, no, that, I don't believe that. I said, I bet on that. 100 <laughs> euros, do it now. And he did it, and 50% of the data were still here, <laughs> available. Right. And that, was, that, that that's, that's the, the most important thing in profiling, yeah? So, you need to profile the kind of ransomware and the threat actor to know what they are doing first. Are they renaming the files or do they encrypt first? Yeah. And yeah. A, that's kind of difficult. And uh, you mentioned also before the ransomware as a service. Yeah? So, we are separating also in the preparation phase what happens if we receive an email from the threat actor with a ransom of 50K, for, for example. Or what happens if we have a professional ransomware group using the talk web and their service desk yeah,
1: mm-hmm. to
2: define, first of all, the first three steps in negotiations?
0: Yeah, so for an organization, um, when do you, what, you know, what do you think that, uh, that decision-making logic is like as to whether or not to bring in a negotiation? Negotiator,
2: um, that, that's the uh, the the CEOs uh, starting negotiating that we have every second, second incident that someone started clicking the link, mm. starting the counter, or whatever. Yeah, uh, we can only raise awareness if you're doing keynotes and tell may hey, don't do this, just call it. Yeah, um, when we are in that kind of situation, yeah, normally there was already an an expert, <laughs> mm-hmm. and a, a self-made expert uh, that had we we had once in a manufacturing company, and he was uh, doing uh, ten days uh, creating flip charts and uh, selling new firewalls. Yeah? Nothing happened. No. Um, normally, the, the, these kind of things. Uh, oh, I lost the question. Sorry.
0: Uh, when it uh, was uh, uh, around was? that decision-making logic, whether or not to bring ah, in the an decision, negotiator, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, we, we 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 created a kind of methodo- methodology. Uh, we call it four deck. So we are uh, working based on facts. We are creating options for the IT team and the forensics. We are we are uh, having the analysis of the risk. If this option happens or, or did not work, we make the decision. We agree all on the decision that the whole team and the management is behind the decision, and we execute the decision. But afterwards, we also need to take control of the decision. Did did it work or did it not
1: work?
2: Hmm. Uh, With that kind of method, uh, we we can have a a baseline for for the decision-making. So the next thing is the backup. We need the feedback. We we are separating the, the crisis management with the forensic team. And the forensic team gets for every single part so, to say, network firewall, endpoints, storage, whatever, uh, gets an internal from the IT and an expert from us. So, be the building a teams of two. And they get their tasks. And they come back with the task when they are done. So, roundabout, they have around about two hours' time. And then we create it within an hour uh, for the crisis meeting uh, to say, OK, this is our facts that we have. We have a backup offsite. We have everything encrypted, or we are, we are down. We don't have a backup for the past two years. We need to go bankrupt, or we need to pay the ransom. And then we have paying the ransom is you need to prepare everything in the same time. You have the counter that puts a lot of pressure to the CEO. Uh, It's a physical thing, yeah. But the first thing is adding two days, three days. Negotiating around that, it's fine. Yeah, that works. And then in negotiations is always, so I do being respectful. Uh, The communication set uh, is, I would like to know what you have. Uh, I would like to see how you communicate. We're doing linguistic forensics. So start right side writing, left side writing, uh, or or there's space, uh, everything. Uh, how, how do you, how do they write uh, and what time do they write? Yeah, how mm-hmm. fast do they respond or how slow do they respond? Because we also have to have an eye on and possible insider. We had a case in the aerospace and defense uh, that we had an insider, and he was writing. We are proton mail, not we are the dark web. We are proton mail. He was writing before he started his work in the lunchtime and then in the evening. Mm
1: -hmm. And he was
2: always mentioning some terms that we use in crisis management, like cost of deal, cost of no deal, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned that in the email and said to the CEO, oh, we need to be careful. (laughs) We have a guy in the team who is involved. Yeah, Yeah, they speak in
0: your language. Yeah, they're speaking the language of the organization. Yeah.
2: This is this is what I try to get into, yeah. To know uh, is it the the boy next door? Is it the script kitty in in his in his room at home uh, with the hoodie, trying a little bit around, Uh, or is it a professional? And in that case, we had we had espionage, because this guy sold uh, plans for spare parts in the aerospace sector to China, Mm. and Mm. China produced that or. wanted to produce the spare parts for the Russian market.
0: Mm. Yeah. So that's so it, its use the, the supply red. chain. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a uh, very interesting, especially, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of stuff here in the U S around the, this new DOD CMMC uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And then, so uh, that has certainly international implications and, yeah. So, yeah. So that's uh, very interesting. So uh, you, you you hit on a couple of things there. So uh, what I thought was really kind of important is that, look, you, uh, you have to make decisions, right? With, with sometimes yes. limited information. And sometimes that, you know, doesn't work out the way that you thought you would. But now you've got a new dynamic and a new situation and you have to reassess and re- now make yes. another decision. And, and that's the best that you can kind of do. Uh, now, what about the skills of a negotiator? What, what are the, the things that, that uh, an organization, if they're out there going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find myself an external negotiator. Uh, let's set up some yep. interviews. Uh, what do we ask these folks, right? How do we know whether they uh, know what the heck they're uh, doing or not?
2: Yeah, the, the the thing is that uh, when the incident already happened, yeah, you will not have an interview. You get the recommendation for that kind of guy. Uh, and to be honest, I, I I don't know a lot of this kind kind of crisis managers. As, as in that way, we do we do this thing. Uh, we train our own employees to come into that kind of role. You have a lot of crisis managers when it comes to safety, but nothing comes to security. But every mm-hmm. similar parts. Uh, one of the most important thing is that uh, he is very communicative, um, that he is uh, very calm, he is very calm, or she should be very calm. So, not a very pushy and stressy uh, guy. Um, and sometimes uh, you need to have that kind of military characterism that is say, this is the decision, we go this way and this is the best. Uh, follow me. Or your concerns is this, is like that, and no, will not work. Yeah? Um, and also the crisis manager negotiated. We, we are responsible for the whole documentation of that kind of incident uh, for the insurance companies. Yeah? Because in, especially in Europe, every single manager and CEO has his private liability for that cases.
0: Yeah, so we, we talked about this interest. yesterday. Yeah, the personal yeah. liability for the actions, yeah. the readiness of the organization and the actions taken during that incident response. There's real risk there to the yeah. individual, right? For pers- Professionally? Uh,
2: uh, absolutely. But funny thing besides, we do have now some of the big four companies coming after post-incident to us as a service provider where we protected or saved the business. Mm. And they would like to see how much hourly rates we took, what our documentation looked like, and they tried to pressure us. And that's not a very fair way, so to right. say. Yeah? Yeah. So we are really picky when we take incidents at the moment. And, uh, yeah.
0: Okay. So, um yeah. Though, so those are important kind of skills. Now, have you, have you seen any situations, maybe, maybe not, you know, you're not your organization, but have seen out there, you know, just kind of, you know, what's happening in the in other parts of the world where poor negotiator skills have uh, created, created some problems.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, oh man, where I should have start? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't spell names, but uh, <laughs> there, there are some kind of the self-named negotiators. Uh, they take thirty k upfront mm. from the customer, and then tell them two days after you have the money, pay the ransom.
1: Mm.
2: That's not the right way. Uh, we, we, we found a cyber crisis manager also self-named with no experience. He was a former digital marketing guy or whatever. I'm in the IT industry for more than 24 years now so I know what I do. Uh and uh I think you need to be born ready for that kind of cyber crisis manager. <laughs> uh and
0: Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I'm I, when you're when you finish that thought I'm going to tell you about some of the yeah. uh uh biological uh testing we've done on around this. six. I That's have one that.
2: case that I mentioned with the guy, the crisis manager with the 10 days with the flip charts yeah?
0: and having, not having a forensic
2: guy and an incident response team that just uh, tried to create strategies and charged a lot of money. And um, the company lost 600K per day. Mm. Wow. We, we came there on a Tuesday um, around lunchtime. We did the first analysis. We had the whole communication up and running during the night uh, until Wednesday and the whole production running on Friday.
0: Wow. Cool. That's incredible.
2: And, yeah, it's uh, very impactful when you
0: when you bring in experts, right?
2: Yes, and this is what we also uh, discuss with cyber insurance companies. They have their own IT network and they, they charge, uh, for example, 100 to $150 an hour. We are charging a little bit more But we don't take forty days. Right, we have it in three to five days. Depends also on the backup. Depends on the customer size, for sure. Yeah, to be honest. But the average small medium business with one thousand employees uh, is able to handle that within that time.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you know, I always use the phrase: when you need a plumber, you call a plumber. When you need a cyber crisis management expert, you need a cyber crisis management expert. When you need somebody with negotiator skills, you need somebody with negotiator skills. And uh, it's it's difficult to be everything for everybody, right? So that you know, you need some skills yes. here. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. So um, I, I I didn't get the skills with my work in IT before for some big companies. So. I trained my skills, so I did uh, my education was in in cybercrime profiling in the US, but also in Israel, Um, very strong relation to Israel when it comes to negotiation skills. Um, And uh, I would say uh, my character is from nature, Uh, from a psychological aspect, I have skills and... Um, I always try to find a solution for both sides, also for the dark side. Yeah? yeah, they are going. They would like to have money, but we also get paid. And uh, we had also not direct random payments. We had post incident yeah. ransom payments. But I said, hey, a small amount. Customer is is here to pay a small amount to delete the data from the dark, from the operator side. Mm. That works also but you need to build a trusted relationship you need to give a little bit then you get yeah. a little bit
0: yeah
2: some, some of the negotiators i heard they are heavily uh, their communications are no we are doing this and we don't care mm-hmm. what you write and what you would like to have you know these are also sometimes you are humans sometimes you are chatting at the first step with chatbots <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but you, you figure that out very fast. So uh, that, that's, that's not the problem. Um, and what, what also is very important, what happened in, in, in the last month and on your side in an incident is there are threat actors. They would like to fool also ransomware groups. So they're looking on the operator side, for example, for Lockbit, and they see the counter and they're going, they're looking for the emails of the victims and to try to get in touch with them and offer them a 50% discount with a new wallet. So they try to steal the ransom.
1: Mm. And
2: if you're not aware as a crisis manager and negotiator and say, oh, this is another QTX ID, this is another Bitcoin wallet ID, um, yeah, you're also liable for that kind of decisions. Mm. all
1: So it's not easy uh, to (laughs) be in
2: that kind of business and from a psychological or mental health aspect, also there, there is we are working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And we also had uh, CEOs that committed suicide in that time. They mm. have thoughts about suicide because they are, they are ruined. And now right. this is my responsibility to bring them help uh, with crisis intervention teams and specialists uh, to, to help them also. So we are not just negotiators or crisis managers we are also looking for the
0: people. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, you, you mentioned before, and I, I think I had said something about this as well, around the, the psychological factors. And there is a lot of psychology involved in sure. in this and understanding the threat actor, the motivations, their society, the cultural backgrounds, because that can give you clues on how they, you know, how how will they negotiate with you? and What yeah. are their motivations? How convicted are they? Yeah. So uh, uh, a bit of an art, uh, for sure. And a bit of a science and, you know, we, we, we share a similar background with regard to the, you know, the passion around the cyber criminal offender profiling. I love that kind of stuff, right. (laughs) And getting into it because it can contribute to, uh, you know, these crisis types of situations. Um, okay. Uh, so just as a, maybe as a wrap up, maybe can you can provide some recommended approaches, uh, when, uh, when engaging, uh, with the ransomware group.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, how do you, how do you approach that? You, uh, let's, let's say, okay. Uh, well, you know, your situation sounds like oh, the, the vast majority of those There's somebody has already t- started talking to these guys and now you're picking up. Okay. So I'm interested in that yep. dynamic, uh, because we know that some, some threat actors will be like, Hey, you bring in a negotiator and it's game over, right? Type of a thing. So uh, have you run into that? How do you kind of, you know, approach that how, first how, how, conversation?
2: <laughs> how do they know if I'm the negotiator or not? How
0: ah, do they know? That's right, right? Well, yeah, exactly. That's the first thing. So <laughs> right. playing
2: with the same rules they play. I don't yeah. know who they are. yeah. But to be honest, I'm working with, with some kind of nicknames. There are, uh, I think, some at the moment already fam- familiar with some kind of ransomware groups. But uh, what we do is we separate it. We, we do the profiling and say, okay, this conversation comes via email and it's a, a ransomware demand for f- 14K. So it looks like it's a script kitty or a ransomware is a service collection of three different ransomware groups. So if the, the victim pays the money, you don't have a proof for the crypto. So that starts a different negotiation then knowing it's Lockbit affiliate, there is the link, there is the QTalks chat, and there is the operational site with the service desk. Okay. And then you structure step by step. So what is my goal? What I would like to know? I'm, I'm, I'm not fooling around to be honest. I'm always uh, being very clear. So we know what happened. We, we investigated in that. We have a clear situation. Uh, what would you? What are, what are the next steps uh, in in our negotiations? Yeah, um, for sure. I'm playing with creativity. I'm fooling around a little bit. I'm trying different languages. Yes, that's common. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I would. I'm proving the reaction of that. Yeah, um, and then when it comes to 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 have an agreement on a deal. Uh, we separate that kind of agreement in three steps. So I would like to know if the decryptor works. We have seen that uh, ransomware group damaged the storage by the encryption yeah? mm. um, because the storage was down. Yeah? Uh, the decryptor in that case was not helpful for me, not useful. So mm-hmm. I need to be clear in my communication and say you did this and you did that and I can send you a proof that it's done. It's gone. It's not decryptable. Yeah? Right. And this is sometimes I'm brutally honest, sometimes a lie. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the fact. But this also is done by the random groups.
0: Right. Right. Yeah? Yeah. Same uh, tactics, and techniques, and procedures, right? Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's, it's
2: it's like the same. It, it's like say the CrossFit with uh, prepared for the Unknown. It's not your enemy. Right, So we're playing in the same field with the same roles and that could be a benefit for the ransomware group or not. It depends. Yeah. So I would say our success in, in negotiations is quite high um, because of our skills in the forensics and the decryption and what we put effort into it. Not only in negotiations; it's uh, the, the the cases we handled. So we are talking about ransomware groups like Black Matter, Black Cat, Lockbit, LV, uh, the big ones. Mm. Um, where we where I also received their threats. So this is the the other side of the medal. Yeah. Mm. So it's mm-hmm. for me it's uh, to be in that kind of pop, podcast got, mm. a little bit of dangerous. Right. Um but yeah there is a codex, so to say, yeah. And I will always remind on that kind of codex. No yeah. no people damage. Right,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes
2: really. they know the codex, sometimes <laughs> right. they don't know the
0: codex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not because a lot of always, honor amongst thieves, right? So yeah.
2: It's 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 always about the money. So hackers against hackers. So they would like to have the ransom from this group. They would like the ransom from that group.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the game. It's a game. All right, brilliant. jurgen it's been fantastic having you on. Uh, great conversation. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy to hear about the, see the success that your organization's having in you as well. So uh, keep up the great work. And uh thank you for uh joining th- uh, today's uh show.
2: Thanks a lot, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me and stay safe. All right, you too. Bye. Now you know you're feeling better. After big dozing on COC. Trump and cipher did you good bay? Give you what you want now you say. Well, we've got to go See you next time we have the show I know you love that COT
1: From cyber and Be Free